And thank you for joining me on the path to liberty. It's Monday, October 25th, 2021. And today I'm talking about this book. It's View of the Constitution of the United States, written by St. George Tucker. And while it was published back in 1803, and while most people have never heard of it, it was really the first detailed commentary on the powers of the federal government under the Constitution. And it represented the decentralized strict constructionist Jeffersonian view of the Constitution. So you probably won't hear about it much today. It's not taught in many places. And so on this episode, I've got some highlights about the books and of the, about the book and some important history as well. Let me put this to the side here. But first of all, before getting to that, my name is Michael Bolden. We broadcast live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 9.30 a.m. Pacific time from here in my home office and studio in downtown Los Angeles for the 10th Amendment Center. Our show homepage has everything you need to follow this show. It's 10thamendmentcenter.com slash path to liberty. It's all spelled out. There you're going to find all the archives for over three years. On individual episodes, I link to stuff that I'm talking about so you can read and learn more in context on your own time. Today I've got stuff from Clyde Wilson, Alan Mendenhall, uh, Gary Gallus, and out as well. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to miss over somebody, but there's Cheriton Farmer, Tim Martin, Clay Kent, Joe, Larry, Tyler B. Been a while. Uh, good to see you on the live stream. Leslie, good to see you as well. 
Dwayne and everyone else, Erwin Havernick, Peaceful Resistance is Patriotic. In fact, as I covered recently, talking about Lysander Spooner's prescription or advice for how to deal with the Federal Fugitive Slave Acts, reiterating the view of leading Federalists at the time of ratification. Resistance is how you keep the government in check. Absolutely, Erwin. But let's get right to this. I want to start out with Alan Mendenhall with this great post over at Law and Liberty a couple of years ago. I should pull it up on the screen rather than just talk. The whole book thing at the beginning, I have thought I'd have a prop for once, and it threw me off. This book is actually, it's it's pretty hard to come by. It was first published in uh, 1999 at Liberty Fund. They have it available online for free, but this is pretty awesome to have it in hand as well. And it's been out of print for a couple of months. I don't know if that's just a labor shortage due to government shutting things down and screwing up the economy and stuff like that. Uh, but I have a couple of copies here. Uh, but it should be available. Liberty Fund told me a while back that they're expecting some by late November again. And it's not a really expensive book. If you buy it direct from them, it's probably like 20. We'd sell it for like 30. And the additional profit, of course, helps support our work because we are capitalist pigs and we appreciate the support. Anyways, here is Alan Mendenhall at Law and Liberty, St. George Tucker's Jeffersonian Constitution is the article, which will be linked to in the show notes. He says, one could argue that there are two basic visions for America, the Hamiltonian view and the Jeffersonian. I mean, if you look back all the way to the founding and the ratification, there were the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists. These were terms of propaganda, of course. The Anti-Federalists actually believed that they were the true Federalists. They wanted a federal structure, decentralized. And they thought that the Federalists wanted a consolidated government, a centralized. So we can call it Hamiltonian, more centralized, more command and control, and Jeffersonian, decentralized. Allen puts it this way. The former is nationalist, calling for centralized power. The latter vision, political decentralization, popular sovereignty. I'm going to talk about sovereignty quite a bit here. And local republicanism. Here again from Alan, he says, St. George Tucker, who's the author of the book that I'm covering today, falls into the Jeffersonian category. View of the Constitution of the United States, published by the Liberty Fund in 1999, features his disquisitions on various legal subjects, each thematically linked. Most come from essays appended to his edition of Sir William Blackstone's Commentaries on the Laws of England. Now, many in the founding generation were well-versed in law. We have really great legal scholars like John Dickinson and James Wilson. And then there's also St. George Tucker. He was a little bit later on, and he didn't actually help frame the document, uh, but he certainly was one of the leading legal experts. Here from Gary Gallus, this was originally published at Foundation for Economic Education, but uh, thankfully they have uh, open reprint, so we reprint a lot of his stuff over here as well. And here's how Gary puts it. Born July 10th, 1752 in Bermuda, Tucker was a militia colonel in the American Revolution who even wrote, quote, Liberty, a poem on the independence of America. So this was a very talented writer. This is something that George Washington said, quote, was equal to a reinforcement of 10,000 disciplined troops. This was a motivating poem. It's linked to, so you can check it out on your own time. But he had actually, so he was born in Bermuda. He came to Virginia in 1771, and Mendenhall put it this way. He became a Virginian through and through, studying law at the College of William and Mary under George Wythe, whose post at the law school he would eventually hold. 
Back to Gary Gallus, he says, after the, the Revolutionary War, his services included his appointment to the 1786 Annapolis Convention, which I should cover on its own episode at some point, that led to the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia, and his opposition along with Patrick Henry and George Mason to adopting the Constitution in the absence of a Bill of Rights. Now, uh, Patrick Henry was probably the most hardcore on this, but many of the people who are opposing ratification were opposing it as it was drafted. They wanted either an addition of a Bill of Rights or they were concerned, if you've been paying attention to my uh, ep episodes on Brutus, one of the leading anti-federalist writers of the time, most well-known, probably the best well-read, I think the best explanations of the opposition view was that some of the things looked too general and non-specific. And as I covered last week in Brutus's first paper on the judiciary, his concern was a combination and this came across in many of the anti-federalists, and I wouldn't say Tucker was necessarily one, uh, but the anti-federalist view in general was, look, if you have terms that even lawyers are dis disagreeing about or debating the meaning of, and then over time you give the power to some judges down the line to determine it, eventually, because power always seeks to expand, eventually that's exactly what's going to happen. But I don't want to get to too off track here. Here from the great Clyde N. Wilson, which is the foreword to the publication of this book. It's 504 pages. It's uh, like I said, it's pretty hard to get. But here's Clyde Wilson's introduction. I've got a link to the full book here where you can read it online. I'm sure there's a download version as well. And he says, Tucker's view of the Constitution of the United States, and this is important, was the first extended systematic commentary on the Constitution after it had been ratified by the people of the several states and amended by the Bill of Rights. So we can read the document, but since there was legal language, general welfare, necessary and proper, people who understood the legal world, and a lot of the general public did understand these terms, but there was debate over it. They knew that necessary and proper referred to the legal doctrine of principles and incidents. I'm not covering what that is right now, but for the people who don't understand that, you had to explain it. Well, this is what they were talking about, and this is what it means, and this is how it was explained during the ratification debates. And we see commentary about that all the time today. And of course, people try to twist it, but this was literally the first time it had been done, and it was very influential during the first half of the 19th century. For decades, It was we don't have a count on it. But it was one of the most highly referenced legal books at the time. Here's how uh, Wilson put it. Published in 1803 by a distinguished patriot and jurist, it was for much of the first half of the, of the 19th century. Did I say 18th? Sorry. I went to government school, so I get numbers wrong pretty often. <laughs> the first half of the 19th century, an important handbook for American law students, lawyers, judges, and statesmen. And I got to hold this thing up again. 504 pages at that time was a handbook. I mean, it fits in my hand, but I'll tell you, for those of us who read a social to a conqueror, so even if you submit, you still have those rights, and we're going to get to that at the end, what that means in the long run. Here from Kurt Lash, who's one of my favorite legal scholars. I don't have to agree with him on everything, but I think he's one of the best of the best. This is a 2006 paper I think it was originally published, he's at University of Richmond now, but I think he, it was originally published in the William and Mary Law Review, which makes sense because that's where St. George Tucker was the head guy. It's called Tucker's Rule, Strict Constructionism. And here's a section on the rule of strict construction. And he says here, 
Tucker confronted one of the critical constitutional issues in the First Republic, the proper rules of constitutional interpretation. How do you actually read the document? And that's what Jefferson's saying. That's what Tucker is saying. Look to the Ninth and Tenth Amendment, and this means they can only do certain stuff, and they can't get into this other stuff. Everything else is reserved. Nationalist lash rights, like Alexander Hamilton, read the Constitution as emanating from a unitary mass known as the people of the United States. Tucker, on the other hand, saw the Constitution as a compact. And I, I've seen in some places that the, the notion of the compact theory actually emanates, comes from Tucker himself. I have not verified that myself, but I've heard a number of people, probably Alan Mendenhall says that as well. Tucker saw the Constitution as a compact and entered into by independent sovereign people of the several states. So when we look at the Declaration of Independence, this wasn't, and the Treaty of Paris, this wasn't about one unitary people. These were 13 independent, free, as Samuel Adams put it, free and independent states. Each of them was their own country, and they, uh, they got together in a confederation. And then they consolidated more and more and more over time, which is just kind of the nature of things, as Benjamin Franklin warned at some point as well. So here, back to Kurt Lash, he says, on this singular distinction that the Constitution is a compact, an agreement entered into by independent sovereign people of several states, on the singular distinction turned the issue of how to construe delegated federal power. This is the basis. This is what Jefferson called the foundation of the Constitution. As independent sovereigns, Kurt writes, any agreements entered into by the states should be read with the presumption that the states retain their sovereign powers in all matters not expressly delegated to the federal government. That is the notion, really, of strict constructionism, that the assumption right off the bat is that if it's not really expressly there, it's not clearly delegated to the federal government, it isn't theirs. And even if you can dig through, you really are going to have a hard case to make that the federal government is authorized to do the thing that you want them to do. And if you want them to do it, you should actually go through the amendment process rather than through usurpation of power. Here again from Kurt Lash to Tucker, the Constitution itself affirmatively established this presumption and the rule of strict, strict construction through the adoption, not just of the 10th, but of the 9th and the Tenth Amendment. And here's how Tucker puts it. I'll do just a very brief uh, piece of this. Whether this original compact be considered as merely federal or social or national or and national, it is the instrument by which power is created. So then you have to understand that there may be some in antecedent powers before that document even existed. So you have to think about this in a broad concept. Lash put it this way, Tucker believed that the Ninth and Tenth Amendment, and I don't talk about the Ninth en enough because the Ninth and Tenth Amendment are partners in a federal structure. They are legal rules of construction on how to read the entire document. They worked together as co-guardians of a federalism-based concept, again, of popular sovereignty. And he says, together, the amendments guaranteed, and this is how Tucker put it, that the powers delegated to the federal government are in all cases, to receive the most strict construction that the instrument will bear, where the rights of a state or of the people, either collectively or individually, 
may be drawn in question. So it's not just about the powers of government, and it's not just about the powers of people of the states in a collective manner, but it is also of individual rights. So you have to have the most strict construction all the time because of the Ninth and the Tenth Amendment. And I think it's these types of views, it's pretty obvious why his work has been pretty much erased from history. I mean, we see it once in a while cited in law review papers or in people arguing from our view, of course, or maybe some historical buffs. But in general, the way the government operates is the Hamiltonian vision. It is not this Jeffersonian Tucker vision. Here's how Clyde Wilson puts it. He says, two reasons may account for the neglect of Tucker's work and of related supportive writings. And this is so good. First, his view of the federal government as an agent of the sovereign people of the several states and not as the judge of the extent of its own powers was buried by the outcome of the Civil War. The ground for the triumphant views of Abraham Lincoln, having been well prepared by Justice Joseph Story, his commentary, Story and and um, John Marshall, they hated Tucker. I don't know if it was a personal thing at all, but they repeatedly attacked his view. They wanted to crush it, and they came very close to it crushing its view from existence but in practice as far as how the government operates today they certainly won that one but he says this the the views were the the path was blazed by joseph story of the supreme court and lawyer orator and senator daniel webster and then second he says and this is more of a logistical thing and i hadn't even thought of this until rereading uh reading wilson's forward here in preparation for this episode but tucker's constitutional writings were appended as essays to a multi-volume, densely annotated edition of Blackstone's commentary on the laws of England that was never reprinted. So it just wasn't widely available. But then again, if you think about it, the people who are pushing out the Federalist, and Tucker didn't really see the Federalist, and I talk about this pretty often as well, the Federalist, when it comes to understanding the original legal meaning of the Constitution, isn't that important? Because it was a marketing tool to convince the people of New York and almost no one else to ratify in New York. So it wasn't affecting the people in North Carolina or Virginia or anywhere, really, or Massachusetts especially. It really was not having any type of impact on the ratification. It definitely didn't have impact on the ratification in Pennsylvania or elsewhere because they were already in their own debates. And this was really just published for New York. Now back to uh, Kurt Lash, he premised his entire approach to the Constitution on popular sovereignty. That is that people of the several states are the source of the power and from them flows delegations of power to the federal government, to the state governments, to local governments, all that stuff. The people may have the final say. Following the reasoning of James Madison's report of 1800, and Lash does a whole paper, he's got a whole other paper just on Madison's report, Tucker presented the Constitution as a compact between the sovereign peoples of the several states. Since ratification of the proposed Constitution exceeded the power of individual state governments, so ratification was not done by state governments. Let's hammer this home. This isn't about states' rights, as in states can do whatever the hell they want. This is about the, the source of power. This is about sovereignty. And I've mentioned many... So I'm going to come in here and just demystify a little bit. So what he's trying to say is, remember when we talked about the ratification and creating the Constitution and they had a convention? The convention was that all these states, the original states all wanted individual power. 
And the idea was, well, you all have power, but you all have power together. We're stronger as a unit. If you collectively take the voices of the people in your state, Virginia, and your state, Massachusetts, and bring them together as one loud voice, then it's all of our voices against that of tyranny. That was the idea, right? Because the Constitution um, was supposed to be an agreement of the people of each state, of all the states then together, to agree on common ground, okay? Because at first, Virginia, if you remember, the governor of Virginia didn't want to let go of Virginia. They were like, no, we could be our independent country type of thing. We have more power. So they all got together at a table and they're like, stop, stop being so greedy, right? We can become a massive nation if the people in your region and your region all have a voice and we all come to an agreement together to hear each other. But the powers are still reserved to the state. But we have to agree. Many times on this show and in other areas, talking about how sovereignty was pretty much always in the hands of a king or a queen or a small cabal of people. Today, we treat the, the Supreme Court as having sovereignty. They have final say, final authority over everything. And the Constitution means what they say it means until they change their mind. But according to Tucker and the Jeffersonians, the people have the final say. And James Madison told us when asked who decides what's constitutional, his answer is pretty much, well, Everyone makes a decision on this, and that's the checks and balances, because you may have people in one state thinking, well, that's constitutional, another state, no, and then in a federal branch, one of the branches says yes, and another one says no, or generally all three branches say yes, and it's really up to the people of the several states to resist them, side note. So this is not a ratification by state governments due to state constitutional restrictions. Here's how Tucker put it. A convention was then therefore summoned in every state by the authority of their respective legislatures to consider the propriety of adopting the proposed plan. And their assent made it binding in each state. So this is really, again, who gave it legal force? The ratification conventions. This is not state governments. So understanding the meaning of the document means you have to understand how the people during ratification understood the document because like any legal document it has the meaning today the same as it was understood to mean by the people who gave it legal force going forward here is um here's tucker talking in his book about sovereignty i'm going to link to these passages in the show notes of course he says this unlimitable power unlimitable there's nothing above it is that supreme irresistible, absolute, uncontrollable authority, which by political writers in general is denominated the sovereignty. Sovereignty means final authority in its shortest version. And he says that's with the people of each state. He says, and which is by most of them supposed to be vested in the government or administrative authority of the state, but which we contend resides only in the people, is inherent in them. It's a natural rights view and 
unalienable from them. So even if the people delegate some power, and if you look at the Virginia ratifying the ratification document, they say they can resume their power if they decide to, if the people of Virginia decide, and that's really of any state that decided to ratify because they have final authority. So even if you delegate it away and you let it go badly for a long time, at some point, maybe the people of a, a single state will decide, well, we don't want to do this anymore. And so this is kind of a, an implied support for secession, for revolution, of course, for nullification, for resistance, and the like. So much out of this. Here back to Kurt Lash. He says, Tucker believed the Constitution represented a compact between independent sovereigns, sovereigns whose independence survived ratification. Even after ratification, they didn't give up that final authority. Echoing the understanding of the state ratifying conventions, Tucker declared that, quote, state governments retain every power, jurisdiction, and right not delegated to the United States. Moreover, Kurt writes, in interpreting those powers, the independent people, peoples, should not be presumed to have surrendered any aspect of their independence absent express written consent. Have you expressed your written consent to everything that has happened to you from the day you were born until today? I have said this for years. You are still free on paper. And what they're trying to do is eradicate the paper that says you are free. Now, you know, while others sit there and, you know, talk about what they're doing, what they don't realize is no one is coming to save you. There are people working. You know one of them, me, me, and tons of others that you see actually working from morning to night to do what they have to do in the background in order to create that footing for you to stand up because you don't know how. Now, it's not to say, oh, you're so stupid. No, it's because you've never been taught this. I spoke with a lot of attorneys, a lot of them and a lot of scholars. And I'm like, how many times have I talked about the ninth and 10th amendment and you haven't heard about it? That's because the things they don't want you to know, they bury. So rule of thumb, when you want to find out what's going on, one, you follow the money and two, you try to find what they most want to conceal. And if you remember back when they were doing all those hearings, you know, to Kavanaugh for Neil Groshes for Amy Comey Barrett, they all asked them one thing that I had never seen before. And then I thought, ninth and tenth, why would they ask them questions about the ninth and tenth amendment? Which, by the way, any time any case has gone in front of SCOTUS arguing the ninth and tenth has not lost. Now, why would they ask the new justices their opinion? And Flake said it best. That ink blot. That ink blot? It's not an ink blot. That is what you look at, and then when you go under it, you see Tucker's. Tucker St. George's documents that explained to you exactly why they wrote the Ninth and Tenth Amendment. And I had a magnificent discussion 
I think it was Grant actually that had it more with Rudy Giuliani about this and how atrocious it is that they believe that that is a nothing burger. Well, they're about to see that nine and 10, you can't put Humpty Dumpty together again. Watch us. We got Gorilla Glue. This is how we're going to fix it. So it's all about going back in time to the root of where the change happened. And he just told you where during the civil war. See, what is it that Hillary said? Never get, never let a good crisis go to waste, right? <laughs> that was a crisis. And that was it. You know, Tucker St. George um, was against slavery from before being against slavery was popular. Uh, he was all about sovereignty. He knew why the United States was created, St. George. <laughs> so interesting. Did you know that his descendants up until 1932 were actually in charge of George Washington University? Uh, Dean, I think, if I remember correctly. So um, it is important for us to revisit history because in history, you can find all your answers as to what has built this story that you're living now. The script that you're in now obviously had a predecessor, right? There weren't the alleged Wright brothers flapping wings. We wouldn't have airplanes. So slowly. Now, don't get me wrong. We got this. And I had a very candid conversation uh, with Patrick Byrne today. And I want to share that part where he's like, you know, kind of wish like if we went back and we had it all, we could have just... And I was like, you know, I feel the same way. I feel maybe I should have come with a different approach. You know, maybe I shouldn't have been that scared being back in D.C. You know, I don't think anyone understands how difficult it is um, to come out of the shadows. I mean, people see me all, you know, raw, raw and aggressive. But for me, it's really difficult. And it was in that moment that I realized, no, you know, we didn't. You did everything you were supposed to do. We had this right? But God didn't want us to have this. He wanted the people to have this. Because, you know, think of it this way. This year, this Operation Warp Speed is indeed Warp Speed. It was only yesterday. It was January 6th, right? And if you think, hey, what if on, you know, right after the elections that at the end of November in 2020, all this had come out, that we had caught them in the act with their plan with the AFL-CIO, and we would have caught them because we had all the information and we had whistleblowers to give us the information on which of these Republicans were paid, right? Let's just pretend that happened, okay? And that, um, you know, we took it from them. Here's what would have happened. You would have been busy celebrating. America would have been busy celebrating. Oh, my God. Uh, ding, dong, the witches, right? And then what? Then what? You'd go back to normal, picking out your backsplash. And then President Trump, who's of age at some point, went away, right? Because he's going to pass on, right? And then what? You get someone like Ted Cruz because he says all the right things. Or maybe Lindsey Graham because a shit ton of you were fans of his for a very long time until he pulled his own pants down. Maybe Pompeo. Maybe, I don't know, you know, whatever. See, if it would have happened that way, 
you wouldn't have seen what could have happened. You would say, no way would that happen in America. Let's just hypothetically think that it's 2011 right now. We're under a Barack Hussein Obama regime. It's a shit show. And I walk up to you and I tell you, guess what? In 10 years in America, you will be forced to take a vaccine that's not a vaccine. It's a gene therapy. Hundreds of thousands of people are going to die. You're going to be seeing children dying from heart attacks. And they're going to be blaming climate change and marijuana for five-year-olds dying of heart attacks and strokes because those are the side effects of this vaccine. Well, gene therapy but they're going to call it vaccine and they're going to lock you in your house and you're going to have curfews and they're going to tell you people are dying, but they're not. And then they're going to be sticking sick people with just a little flu. That's all you need in a nursing home, killing off the elderly. And then if you actually get sick for whatever reason, could be the flu, a little bit of bronchitis, you know, maybe you ate some shit, something, and you go to the hospital, they'll test and experiment medications on you. And suddenly you'll go from bad to worse and ventilated and dead. Oh, and guess what? There will be a bill passed that will be paying hospitals $180,000 for each person dying. And you'd say, shut the fuck up. Not in my America. That's some Gestapo shit. Please walk away. And that's what you would say. You'd say, what a conspiracy theorist you are, Tori. You're so dumb. You're so dumb. That would never happen in America. Nobody would Nobody would allow that to happen. And yet here we are, here we are, here we are. Never underestimate the enemies of liberty. Never underestimate the enemies of humankind. See, 10 years ago, if someone told you that all of this that is happening today you'd you'd call them crazy. You'd say it's impossible. And here we are. I mean, I did tell you three years ago, but here we are now. Nothing is impossible and that's for the good and the bad. You know, um, yesterday at a movie night, I had a great like just pre-run chat with uh, Patrick Byrne because there's a lawsuit coming next week, a lawsuit that many people have been working really hard on for over a year. Providing information, documentation, data from what we found in Maricopa to the cyber symposium to certain affidavits to other data that's been collected. And it's all been collated from arrests to warrants to things you don't hear about TV, all in one lawsuit going to the Supreme Court. And the thing is, in order for the Supreme Court to take it and sink its teeth into it, We have to have people that have some authority, apparently, to represent us in court. And we are going to bring it this week. We are going to bring it this week. We are going to demand that they join the suit. We are going to tell our attorney generals it is time to join the suit. Now, I will be in Arizona this week on Wednesday at the Attorney General's office for this reason. So anyone out in Arizona, that's what's up. We're hooking up. So um, 
we're going to be doing this in every single state. Um, I know that I'll be in Georgia on Friday because I have my lawsuit with that judge. I've, um, as you know, my lawyer subpoenaed this judge. We're waiting to see if she responds. So we have to turn up to court. So I have to figure out how to get to, you know what? It's, it's the holidays, right? And I think maybe that's why the prices are a little bit higher, but that's like crazy the amount that they're charging. And the thing is, my because I'm, I, I traveled all my life, right? I have the benefit of being like a super platinum member in almost every airline, right? I get like all the granola munching points you want. They, like I pay the same thing that you would pay for coach for first class, right? Um, so if my ticket's $400 round trip, mine's five. Five hundred dollars and twenty three, five twenty three. That's how much it was. So my flight to go to Arizona was like, um, was it seven? It was seven hundred dollars coach, and I paid an extra fifty dollars, and I got first class. That's badass, right? Because I hear they have beds on those planes. Can't wait to try that shit out. But um, the prices are extremely high, and I realized that maybe the airlines are kind of colluding with this whole, you're not traveling for the holidays thing. I know it sounds bad uh, what I'm saying, but usually, you know, flights that you book on a Monday and Tuesday are the lowest price. So I'll be able to see the flights um, tomorrow. I want you guys to know that. On Monday and Tuesday of every week, you will get a Tuesday up until like 12 Eastern time, I would say. You will find the cheapest flights. Um, the cheapest ones. And, you know, like I would go to DC round trip previous to COVID for like 200 bucks from Cleveland. Now it's like 600 bucks. It's like what, I mean, I got to Arizona for 700 bucks. So that's good. Right. A round trip. I only get the, the beds one way, I think, but Hey, whatever, right. <laughs> whatever. I, I'm going to take a picture of this bed thing for you. Um, <clears throat> but I'm noticing that for the holidays, everything's been priced up. There's no more cyber weekend, right? It's all, now you get Black Friday deals. What's the point? It's not Black Friday. I used to love doing the whole Black Friday thing with my girls. Um, I would always make sure that I was there because it was just the the thing of, let's get cocoa and get great pajamas for $5 at Target, right? And we would stay in line and do it and watch everyone. I love the Black Friday. I'm such a, I am so bad when it comes to sales. Guys, I go to Best Buy and hustle. Okay, I'm dead serious. I go to Best Buy and hustle. There'll be <laughs> when I <laughs> when I, when I, when I went to get a television set. Oh my gosh, the television set was like I don't know, like eight hundred dollars. And the guy was like eight hundred. And I was like, hey, can I talk to your manager? I want to see if I could get a discount. He's like, no, that's the price. Manager comes, Tori gets a discount, seventy five dollars. Well, I'll take it. You know. I, you know, you want to sell this TV, don't you? <laughs> you you must ask and you shall, you know, I work hard for my money. I'm sure everybody does. I don't want to just give it away. Um, and I, <laughs> I'm like that all the time. I always, I always hustle and haggle. I, the one thing that you can't do is hustle with the airlines, though it'll take me four hours to land on a flight because I'll go through all the websites and then look through um, lastminute.com. And I even look at auction tickets, right? Um, where people auction their tickets because they can't return them. But now it's COVID, so everybody can cancel and it's fine. But anyway, 
Um, as I was saying, they're going to ruin Christmas for us. This lawsuit's coming. They're going to ruin Christmas for us. They're going to go hard and fast. This is going to be a very difficult time. I've said this. Um, it's going to be a very difficult time. Uh, I haven't seen such huge um, upticks in travel, food, and commodities in a very long time. I remember two weeks ago, I, because I'm, I, I know I'm going to have like a lot of people over Friendsgiving, Thanksgiving. I mean, I'm going to be eating turkey out the ass. Good thing is, is that there's homeless shelters. So if me and Phoebe can't finish all the food and people won't take food with them home, I just walk down the road and just hand it over. So that's fantastic. But having said that, there were no turkeys at Walmart and the turkeys were expensive too. They were $1.69 a pound. I remember when turkeys were 69 cents a pound, right? There were no turkeys at Whole Foods. There were no turkeys at Target. There were no turkeys. I think I mentioned that because it was shocking to me. And so when I actually went to um, one supermarket, gosh, I don't even remember. It wasn't even like a mainstream one. It was some weird, it had turkeys. Shit. I took three of them and they were at 88 cents a pound. I was like, one, two, three, that shit will fit in my freezer. Three turkeys at 88 cents a pound, all the mainstream stores, zero turkeys, right? And you know what I thought to myself? You could go to Walmart and get yourself a turkey for like 50 bucks, 60 bucks, right? When, and you're not, and you're not sure if you're going to get it. Uh, there were none at my Costco, there were none at the Sam's Club. I'm not a Sam's Club member. I, I think my Costco membership is expiring. But again, I'm, I'm pointing out that they are upping the prices on everything. It's the most insane thing I have seen. At this period of time in November, you find, you know, for example, Walmart, you would find a ton of Christmas decorations, right? At this time, shit, that shit's out in September, right? I went to two super centers and they only had like one aisle, maybe two of Christmas stuff. And they hadn't really put it out. It was just so weird. But I noticed that they had weird things out like um, Kwanzaa stuff. That was out. Um, you know, uh, vegan, whoa, 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 the funniest shit was there was a whole, <laughs> no offense to my vegans. Okay. I'm just saying no offense, but in an apocalypse, you will eat meat, uh, no offense, but there was a whole like freezer thing with fake Turkey, faux furkey, right. For the vegans in shapes of Turkey. It was just so weird. Anyway. I'm, I'm sidetracking my point. All of this that we're seeing is them trying to make our holidays miserable. Why? Because theirs will be. When this lawsuit lands into SCOTUS, it will be discussed. And at that point, the Supreme Court of the United States, within the next few weeks, will have to sit down and have a discussion. And evidence will be brought and evidence will be discussed. And boy, damn, you know, some judges are going to go down hard. And I'm not talking SCOTUS right now, later. Now I'm talking federal judges. Now I'm talking district judges. 
There is so much evidence and more so the evidence of us regretting not bringing forward at the time that we should have. For example, the AFL-CIO. For example, we're going to have the Zoom calls. For example, we're going to have everything. Now, while everyone's like, well, you know, we're going to have this SCOTUS gate, it is SCOTUS gate. But I also want to remind you that in law enforcement, in agencies like the FBI that have been extremely politicized, and it's not because they're all politically bought at their top positions, the SES level uh, politicians, I want to say they should be. SESs should be considered politicians. The problem that we have with the FBI being weaponized like this is that over the past four decades, there has been a merge, a, a kind of like a Venn diagram right, of the CIA clandestine activities overlapping with policing. The FBI is not an intelligence agency. It is a police agency. It is an agency that takes facts, takes the law, and puts them together. It doesn't do clandestine shit. It doesn't wear three hats. It doesn't travel around the world. It doesn't uh, penetrate people. It doesn't honeypot. It doesn't do any of that. It does police work. You know, the guys in Miami Vice with the shirt open and the mustaches and the guns on the side, you know, that's what the FBI is supposed to do. Now, the minute we started having more intelligence assets being placed within the FBI, that's where it went pear-shaped. Why? Because the assets went into the FBI and created like a, like a para-CIA. <laughs> I don't want to say CIA because not everyone in the CIA is horrible. Let's be straight, okay? Um, a para-intelligence agency clandestinely there. Kind of like Peter Strzok. He was not FBI. Stop. He's totally not FBI. Stop. He was totally agency. He was an asset as acidy as they come. So again, this is why the FBI has deteriorated because it has veered off from policing to getting into intelligence. There is no distinct line of this is where our intelligence is for national security and this is where our policing is. They have bled the lines and that was done purposely because the minute there is no police and everything is intelligence, you're now plugged into the system and you're part of the matrix. The matrix sees all, hears all, taps all, watches all, honeypots all, does whatever it all, and it's game over. Now, there are many people within this FBI that absolutely love their country. Many of them that you have smacked down, many of them that have failed to come forward eh, at the time that you'd expect them to, and they didn't. And God makes it so. Because I've said this a few times, there are very few ways that you can introduce things into evidence. For example, they raided Rudy Giuliani's home, correct? What did Rudy Giuliani say happened? Do you guys remember what he said? Do you guys remember what he said? Hold on. Let me see if I can pull up that video. Hold on. Let's see. Are you serious? Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. There we go. Um, let me see if Andy, 
Andrew Giuliani may have said something. Thank you. Let me let me just say what I'm going to say first here. We'll go from here. Mind you, I'm speaking as a son and a concerned American. Anybody, any American, whether you're red or blue, should be extremely disturbed by what happened here today, today by, by the, the continued politicization of the Justice Department. This is disgusting. This is absolutely absurd. And it's the continued politicization of the Justice Department that we have seen. And it has to stop. If this can happen to the former president's lawyer, this can happen to any American. Enough is enough. The only piece of evidence that they did not take up there today was the only piece of incriminating evidence that is in there. And it does not belong to my father. It belongs to the current president's son. That's all I have to say. Any questions you can refer to his lawyer. All I will say is this. To all Americans out there, our Justice Department should be independent of politics. Enough is enough, ladies and gentlemen. We cannot stand for this anymore. And again, if this can happen to the president's lawyer, this can happen to any one of us. Thank you. I'll refer to my, I'll refer to my father's lawyer for further questions and statements. You guys have a nice day. Can we hear from your dad? Can we hear from your father? So they raided Rudy Giuliani's home. <laughs> And then I turn up a couple of weeks later having conversations like, okay, so they raid it. So the mayor's home is completely raided, but they don't take any of the evidence that has to do with Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, Barack Obama, the, mayor, the former mayor of New Orleans, the new mayor of New Orleans, <laughs> a shit ton of people. Let's just put it that way. So they don't take it, but then, but then they confiscate all the phones and other stuff from Project Veritas. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you're investigating things, there's like this thing. I remember uh, there was this um, one case that had arose on an asset of ours. And I, I, it wasn't anything that I was involved with, but I was in the room when they were talking about it. So the Obama administration was extremely concerned that this person's cover was going to be blown. And the complaint was, shoot, once they get that, if they find that he has communications with this person, then what happens is that gives them a warrant to look at the communications of his because he had communications with him. That way, now they have that guy's communications. So think of it this way. What have you been seeing being brought to you by James O'Keefe? Hmm. A shit ton. You've seen corruption within the pharmaceutical industries. Uh, people are all sending them a shit ton of information on politicians, individuals, bankers, right? So much stuff. So now they have taken hold of his property. And I'll tell you why they did this and why Ray let it happen. So the first time they were like, yo, we're going to go raid him, but we want to find shit to get Trump. We don't want to get any other stuff that could get anybody else in trouble because we're going to have to document it. All right. So we're just going to go for this. But, you know, on his phone, there was some shit too. So, okay. But anyway, um, 
this time they were like, oh man, we need to find out who's leaking all this stuff. They're really hurting us. No one's taking the vaccine. We're going to get our ass beat. We might be owned by China real quick or UN, whatever you want to call it. Hmm. We need to get this. Oh my gosh, Facebook, we need to find who's leaking this shit to them and round these fuckers up and silence them. And Ray's like, I don't think that would be a great idea. We shouldn't be reading on this. I'm just assuming that's what he said. I don't think that's a very good idea. Uh, you know, we can't just go raid, but we uh, we can use the excuse of the Ashley Biden diary, but then that's making it valid. Well, she did say it's stolen. Can we use that? Well, stop twisting my arm. Okay, let's go. <laughs> and so now you have all this. I mean, how else do you introduce evidence legally? Legally. This is how you introduce evidence legal. I mean, why didn't they read the national file? Rappaport or me, right? Or Garrett Ziegler, right? Why didn't they? They know I had the laptop and I had a version bootleg of an iPad from before. They know. You think they don't know? Come on. They know. So why is it that it happened now? Because someone's looking out for us. That's why. Because like I said, no one's coming to save you, but we got the back end. Now, while everyone's throwing people under the bus, I tend to be very careful on that, right? Tend to be very careful on which people I throw under the bus. If I throw them under the bus, that's because I know something. If I don't talk about them, that's because I know nothing. Or I wish not to opine at the moment. But I have been saying rays of light. And this is it. They have got themselves Pandora's box. You log that shit, you're fucked. Because now that they've seen crimes, they can't not do something about it. That would be a dereliction of duty. Now you're going to say, but they have been doing their job. They've been doing her, but it's the system. It's in the system. Now it's in the system. This is going to be a problem. This is why the judge had no problem to say, stop looking at stuff. And it's like, they want to see who gave the laptop. I know they want to know because they know it's Ashley. They know it's Hunter. They know it's them. So now they want to have a legit reason to get rid of the Biden administration. Obama's pissed. Everyone's pissed. They're losing it completely. This is death rattles. And so when you see something stupid like, why are you coming for the diary now? It's pretty simple. Uh-huh. Ray was like, I can't do it. Biden's like, you better do it because they're telling me. Well, Biden didn't say that. His bosses did. They're telling me. Wait, how would he say? Uh, 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 uh. They're telling. I can't do an Obama voice. I'm sorry. I can't. Probably said, Ray, you better go get that shit because Mike is going to get upset. We need to find out who be leaking all this stuff and get them together and stuff. You go and, and do all that FBI stuff. And he could say, look, I can't do that. I've lied in front of Congress. I specifically did not touch anything of Rudy Giuliani's stuff on Biden. And now if we go there, what if O'Keefe has stuff on Biden? No, 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 no. He had the diary and that's all. Because if he had anything else, he would have reported on it. Uh, that's not O'Keefe's MO. So we already know that that's not his MO. We got, we got a plant in you know, the Project Veritas, we had a couple of them, like that blonde girl with the really messed up fake teeth, right? 
We had a couple of them. He doesn't mess with that stuff. He's all about people going undercover. He's all about that, right? He's not about that, Ray. Just go and do your job. You're being told you better do it. Well, just say they stole the diary and we want to find out that they stole it. They had stolen stuff. Charge him with getting stuff from another state line because it was stolen. Even if they didn't know, they still bought it. Go. It's like a phone. You bought a phone that was stolen from someone on Craigslist and then you, you're you at the border of Indiana and freaking Ohio and then you walk over to Ohio and they nab you for moving something stolen. You're like, I didn't know it was, it was stolen. I paid for it. The guy advertised, you're still going to get charged and then, and then they'll let you go and there'll be a court that you didn't steal it and it happened. So it's kind of like this. So just charge him with something. We need to see who's, who did it. Go. Ray's like, all right, man. Thanks for making my job easier to shed the light. And this is how it works. So that's one factor. Law enforcement. That's one factor. The law enforcement portion. Now we have the judicial portion. This is where we come in. The law in our land is set, right? By what? The Constitution. But when you go to court, you don't sit there and say, Fourth Amendment... And then everyone's like, yeah, it is, but I don't think it applies. It applies because of this, because I said so. And then the other guy's like, I don't care if you said so. I said so. And then the judge is like, yeah, Fourth Amendment. That's not how it works. How the law works is you go in there and you cite cases. You mean case law. The people are the ones that make the law by going to court. The only way you make law is by going to court. If no one went to court, like in the argument for the Mayfield City Schools, I shit you not. Like these loser ass lawyers, their response to my opposition to their motion to dismiss. So now I'm just waiting for the judge, right? Was not arguing the points I made, but no one's ever brought a case with Article 1, Section 21. So we can't talk about it. It's like, the fuck? Attorney General said the same thing. Uh, it, the law's there, so we're using it. So, because someone didn't use it, we don't use it. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Number two, he got upset. Pro se should not be going to court. He was really pissed. Pro se should not be allowed to go to court. He just made an active argument how pro se should not be allowed to go to court. In the people's fucking court, he made an argument to not allow the people to go to court. This is what the lawyers, the big ass law firm that's going up against me said, do not let people go. They had no leg to stand on. So their leg to stand was, hey, no one's ever tried this case under that uh, case like this under that law. So we shouldn't do it. Um, and then pro se shouldn't be allowed. Everybody needs a lawyer. That should be the rules. No people allowed in the court, just lawyers. It's like, um, so again, the courts, that's our job. The people, the courts. And this is where we get into the next and final phase. Highly confident on this. We need to make sure that the attorney generals know that the sovereignty stays to the people. The only power they have is the power that we give them. So, for example, Landry, whose uh, campaign guy 
told constituents, stop sending him letters. He's going to be governor. You're ruining his chance. How dare you hold him accountable and shit. He deserves to be governor. Stop sending him letters. I mean, that was my AG. He'd be getting 10 letters a day. Okay. 10 letters a day just to spite him. Now, what we need to be doing, all of us, and I'm going to be speaking with your state guardians, is we are going to be doing a massive mail, email, and phone call campaign. If we have fax numbers, let's get on those too. They're all going to get a letter as to why they need to join the suit. Now, hear this out. We do not want to go in there, rah, rah, we hate Joe Biden, okay? It's not, that's not what we're supposed to be doing, right? We can hate Joe Biden. We can hate Kamala Harris. We can hate Adam Schiff, who's really getting a butt pucker. Now he doesn't know anything about the dossier. Watch him get amnesia and shit. We'll just keep playing that jerky boy brothers Russian, you know, call again, just to remind him because he's trying to say, I don't know anything about the dossier. Anyway, so we can hate all of them, right? And you guys know I hate the word hate, (laughs) I loathe it. Loathe is better. So we can dislike all of them. But the one thing that we should always be advocating is truth and transparency. And right now, this lawsuit is going to prove if there was any funny business or if there wasn't any funny business. Pretty simple. I think everyone can get behind that one. And, you know, because the one thing they fear the most Is not, you know, dying or, you know, um, I don't know, losing money or, um, you know, getting a flat tire in the middle of nowhere while it's like negative 30 degrees out in the snow. That's not their nightmare, right? Their nightmare is being evicted from the position they're at. Because most politicians, once they're in office, they don't want to get out. They feel like it's their job. They did it. They run the state. They built the state. They're the ones that are doing all this. How dare you question me and want to kick me out? You don't believe me? Well, there was a patriot who went up to his senator in North Dakota and said, what the hell is going on with this belt, with these vaccine shit? You guys need to move it. Why are you dragging your feet? He's like, listen to me. And he's like, he's like, you called us far right. What is far right? He was like, those people that want to run us out. And the guy was like, why would we want to run you out? It's like, I would have been like, yeah, buddy. (laughs) I'm running your ass out. Get your, get your fucking Nikes on. Cause losers like you wear Nike and get ready to run, bitch. Run. Cause I'm gonna pull you out. That's how you need to talk to them. But what I saw, aside from having this big beefed up man that I'll show you on video right now, and you'll hear the conversation, is that I saw this old frail man who, by the way, that same guy and me have exchanged words before. I outed him like nobody's business a couple years ago for some bullshit that he was doing in North Dakota and he didn't like me. And I was more, it was more about the whole having the, I wanted to say Ilhan Omar, but it had to do with the Ilhan Omar investigation, but more so with the Lutheran social services. So Rich Wardner, complete tool, complete tool, and a complete hack. 
And I want you guys to see that this old man actually laid a hand on that citizen pointing to him like, who do you think you are talking to me like that? Watch. And for those that are listening, listen. I just wanted to let you know that I'm one of the far right people you were discussing and organized the rally against far right people. I just want you to know that we're not concerned about Washington. We're concerned about North Dakota. Okay. You know what? Everything you want, we're going to do. Why did you we're going to make this vaccine bill you could I didn't, I didn't think Who did? What are you doing here? I was over in the house. Okay. You're I was Senate. over in the house. In the Senate, right? I don't do the delayed bills in the house. Here's what I'm saying, sir. Don't assume what you don't know. And go on a radio you don't program. Assume and what don't you don't go on know. a radio program. No, 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 no. Marginalized no. no. people that were here to I support didn't marginalize you, anybody. You, too. you said the far right. What is the far right? Why don't you define that for me? There are people that want to run us off. The people that have been here and built this state, you want to run our ass off. Why would you, you want to do that? Why do we want to take people that have built this state and run them up? We want to take That's people like. that say they're running the state and no, run them like, no. and we will get them up. So we're going to just be watching on how you guys I'm watching you. I didn't want to do it. Keep a good close look at me. I want you to see me. I okay? you. I do what you do. Do, do what you can, okay? For I die. I watch what you operate over there in Medora. You don't even know what I do in Medora. What would I do in Medora? You ran around the meeting and just constantly. I didn't talk to anybody in Medora. Again, you got your facts wrong, sir. I don't think you should do it, huh? Senator. Listen to me, the people. We're not bad people. We're I not am far right. No, I am not. Part no of you're me. not. You support the people, sir. You are here to I serve us. Yes, I do. Okay, well then you and I can have a great conversation. I just don't want to be on a radio program that I just got done talking to the guy and you come out and marginalize 2,500 citizens. Oh, listen to it again. I'm on there. They had me on hold. I wanted to be on there and talk to you. I wasn't going to be this way. I wish they were too. So I want to make sure I come in here and let you see that I am the far right you're talking about. I'm the far right. If that's so bad, let's go. That's what you call me. Senator, thanks for your time. You know what? Thanks for your time, Senator. Let's go, guys. Oh, man. How are you? Thank you. Oh, I know that. Keep in mind, it's freezing in North Dakota right now. You're ice skating on the road right now. They went there and the guy called him far right and said, you want to run us out while we built the state. He's like, we don't want to kick out the people that built the state. We want to kick out the people that think they run the state, right? So this is how you call them to the carpet. He was very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. And Lundin did a fantastic job. Listen to him. Well, you were down and done door doing this. And it's like, what do you give any fucks of what I do anywhere? I could do whatever I want. I could talk to whoever I want. Bottom line is you serve me, dude. It's not the other way around. Okay. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's like sitting down at a restaurant and the server comes, you're being and instead of serving you food, the server like takes your seat and says, go get your food and bring it to me. This is what they do. This is how you have to do it. 
It's kind of like, you know, a rumor has it that one AG got really upset and almost cried somewhere in the South because of the letters you were sending him. He was very upset that he got a lot of mail and all that shit has to be documented, you know? You do know that, right? They can't just throw shit out, right? You know they have to document that mail that comes in, right? <laughs> and that becomes record, right? So again, you're free on paper. Use the paper. Always the paper. Now let's take a small hiatus and enjoy some oldies. Riders on the storm. That's what we are right now. Riders on this really big ass storm that we really wish would end, but can't because you haven't learned your lesson yet. That's the way it is always. It's like every time I would be in a sticky situation, I'd be like, okay, this is so messed up. Like I'm, I want to get off this ride. Can we do this right now? Like, please. And it's like, nope, not yet. You haven't gotten to the point yet. And then we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Now, there's a lot of things. You know, I did that NFT and I did it on purpose because that shit's going to be crazy later. Um, turned out, you know, we're going to be impeaching Obama. May not be tomorrow. May not be next week. Maybe a long time ago. But my impeach44 hashtag is bonnet. See, how many people are going to throw how many people under the bus is the question, right? How? How is he going to throw people under the bus? Are they ha going to have people thrown under the bus? I don't know. But what I can tell you is that mm, my old, <laughs> I don't want to say um, boss, but wasn't really my boss. And if I say that, then you'll be like, what? And it's like, yeah, kind of my boss kind of work together rather than boss. Uh, but was my boss, I guess, from age because I was a kid, right? You always listen to your superiors, right? The, the older ones. That's how you're trained. Well, 
he seems a little bit off lately. I don't know if you guys have noticed that. His recent interviews were really think bizarre. Is likely I think I should share that with you right now. Because um, <laughs> he knows. He knows. He just doesn't want to say. So I hope this video comes in good. Let's see. I hope we can watch it okay. Here we go. Let's see. I, I hope you guys know what I'm referring to. See, we we have talked about, you know, it was what, 20, 2019, where they had all this impeachment. I'm going to tell you, Alex Jones is going to be the nail on the coffin to try to go after Trump. You think that I'm giving him shit and Ali Akbar for nothing? Damn, you still don't realize. Let's just say, you'll see. It's not happenstance, happen chance that all this is coming in. It's all about nailing President Trump. You got to understand that. Because if they can take him out, they can take out all hope. But you know, at some point, the unknowns or the known unknowns, there we go, the known unknowns that they know about, that they know rules of engagement can't touch this. They know. Is the most likely hypothesis? <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, when people talk about it, you know, is there the life, other life besides what's in the states, uh, in the in the world, the globe? Um, you know, life is is defined in many different ways. And I think it's a bit presumptuous, if not arrogant, for us to believe that there's no other form of life anywhere in the entire universe. What that might you know, B is, I think, you know, subject to, you know, a lot of different views. But um, I think some of the phenomena we might be seeing are, are, continues to be um, unexplained and um, might, in fact, be some type of phenomenon that is the result of something that um, we don't yet understand and that could involve some type of um, activity that uh, some might uh, say uh, constitutes a, a, a different form of life. I leave that one right there. That was a really good one. That was a really good one. That was a really good one. You've never seen him like that, have you? That was a really good one. I've seen him like that before. I have seen him like that many times in my life. Under many faces, I have seen him like that. I should have seen him like that when he thought he wasn't going to get appointed CIA director. You should have seen him like that when he thought that Obama was toast when they, got, when they caught him for doing all this shenanigans with his campaign. Did you know that Barack Hussein Obama got sanctioned for his campaign shit and paid $3 million? Highest ever fine ever paid by any president post-election was Barack Hussein Obama. He was, he, he did that. He, he did that. And he doesn't want to answer, but he has to answer and he has to be careful of his words because he might say something that he shouldn't say. And then if he says it, he looks nuts. You know, it's true. Cause I mean, truth has no boundaries. Fiction does. So it, it, the, the, the struggle is real for a lot of them. The struggle is very, very real. Because a lot of things are coming. You know, voter fraud, right? Oh, voter fraud. Yeah, sure. Okay, so some dead people were on the voter roll. No big deal. It's not a big deal. It doesn't happen all the time. You know, things just get messed up sometimes. You know, sometimes three-year-olds get asked about jury duty too. <laughs> what?
Madison Bayerman loves typical three-year-old things. Disney, playing with her brother, and helping her mom cook. But is she ready for jury duty? Her parents never considered it until Madison got a letter from the U.S. District Court in New Jersey. Uh, asking her to fill out a questionnaire for federal jury duty in Newark. Watching this spirited child play begs the question, is jury duty ready for her? She might be really good at it. I don't know, but she will need an adult to take her to the bathroom, so, um, <laughs> All kidding aside, Madison's mom was alarmed by the mailing because it says that she was chosen from the voter registration rolls. That got Laura Bayerman thinking the worst. It's a total mess, and we still have no idea, nor can anybody tell me, how they got her name. Did somebody steal her identity? Is somebody, did somebody vote in her name? Um, you know, is there somebody impersonating her out there? Credit cards, taking out a loan in her name. A security expert says kids are not immune to identity theft and the crime can go unnoticed. It may happen for years under your nose and massive damage being done by the time that you found out. He advises parents to pull their children's credit reports and freeze their credit if they suspect identity theft. Madison's parents are taking steps to protect her credit and have filed a police report. But until they get answers, they can only hope someone hasn't been playing around with her future. For Inside Edition Digital, I'm Mara Montalbano. So weird. So three-year-olds are now on the voter roll. I'll tell you what probably happened. So voter rolls don't purge dead people. She's three years old, so that would give a buffer of five to seven years uh, for death certificates to actually surface. That's the usual rule of thumb. And so they're desperate to get jurors that are old, um, you know, because they're probably going to vote for whatever they want. And she's probably got an old person that died, social security card, someone that died within the past five or six years, and she got it. That's basically it because they're recycling those numbers, right? So it's just a social security recycle, but that also proves that the voter rolls don't purge dead people. That's my point. Because if you actually pull up a record, you'll see that it's someone that may be 80 today, 90, or maybe 120. I mean, we did see a 220 year old in Michigan requesting an absentee ballot. Wouldn't be surprised if Madison had a social security number of someone that's 220 years old and still on Newark's voter roll, right? So weird. See, these are the things that are going to be coming out in this lawsuit. Everything from the report that could have been released before the elections that that professor in Michigan who hates President Trump and really believes that we're all going to be underwater in 10 years. Um, but he's still a genius and an expert, was warning that all the election machines had a problem. All he wanted to do was have, you know, SISA and DHS see it. And he said to the court, give it to them. This is very important information for the 2020 elections. And the judge said, oh, let me take a look. That's right. I'm putting a seal on this bitch. No one gets it. Let's have elections. If anyone, she should be held accountable. <laughs> you know, actually, maybe once this lawsuit is filed, we can all bombard the bar of the state of Georgia and ask to investigate Judge Tottenberg's behavior. And it doesn't all have to be Georgia citizens can be from the United States because her sitting on that report fucked us all up, period. Now, um, 
Friday, we'll have a response on that. You know that I have subpoenaed her. So we will probably have a response on uh, Judge Tottenberg uh, answering a subpoena. I've subpoenaed her in my court. Um, my lawyer is hoping that she turns up in Georgia or we get a response in Georgia because uh, we have to be in Georgia since we domesticated the subpoena. Uh, if she does not, then there's next steps. But um, I'm going to be there just for the day. I'll fly in in the morning so that way we can go to the court and I'll leave that evening to come back. My gosh, just like I'm doing with um, Arizona. I'm going to be there for um, from morning to night on Thursday. I think I, I, I arrive Wednesday late at night because the flights are so weird, like I said. The times are weird. The prices were weird. The Everything was just weird. But um, I will be in Arizona. And we're going to take this to the AG there. I think it's very important that we get um, a, a, the AG of Arizona to sign on to this suit because the majority of the evidence came from there. We see from the results that came, even if, say there were 100 results, even if one of those 100 results was valid, Arizona did not go to Joe Biden. So, um, so tomorrow I, I, I won't be doing a show cause I'll probably be in en route to Arizona. I'm letting you know that now. Um, and then, um, I guess we're all meeting at, um, about what is it? 10, 11 AM at, uh, the attorney general's office. So we're going to meet there. And it's going to be fantastic. On Wednesday, November 17th, we're meeting um, at the Attorney General's office. So I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun, so much fun, so much fun. And um, I'll probably do a show from the airport. Because after that, I'll go to the airport, sit in the lounge and do a quick one. Maybe we can watch a movie together so I can kill time. Um, and um, we're we're ready to do some patriotic shit like on another level now. Now is where we have learned how to do the letters. We've got all the emails. We've got the telephones, the fax machines, and we need to pound. And we need to tell the attorney general of our state, you better get on it. Speaking of attorney generals in our state, let me just say, I'm a little bit confused. So as you all know, I'm suing the governor of Ohio right now in the Supreme Court. And two attorneys general were on it. One pulled out. Could be normal. Could be she left. Could be she had a change of heart. Something, right? Obviously, being a pro se, I didn't know that I missed a deadline to request oral arguments. So now I have to come in with some other filing. But um What's interesting is, is that the Attorney General of Ohio just filed in the 6th District Court to stop the vaccine mandates in private companies so that citizens don't have to take the vaccine. And that's so weird because he's defending the governor who I'm asking the Supreme Court to make him do his job and, and do just that. So I'm just going to assume that I won my writ of mandamus right now because that's super weird, right? Um, and then he filed another lawsuit against Facebook 
and MetaMask, and it has to do with money. So I'm like, Yost, like, what are you doing? What are you doing, David Yost of Ohio? I think he really wants to be reelected. So I want to see how this attorney general uh, representing Governor DeWine in the Supreme Court is going to work out. Because, you know, the attorney that's actually representing DeWine to not uphold the Ohio state constitution, which makes zero sense. Cause you know, he's filing this lawsuit, the attorney general, right? He's filing this lawsuit in Kentucky, Idaho, Tennessee, and other states joined him. But it's like, why are you filing a lawsuit? Your state a constitution already says that shit can't happen. Like, that's all you got to say. He's going to be like, Oh, shine. He's uh, stop. That shit doesn't apply within the jurisdiction of Ohio. You could go to another state. Fuck off. He could simply do that. But he's filing a case. I guess it's more grandstanding and vote for me. I'm a Republican type thing. When I hear that, I cringe. I'm a Republican. Vote for me. It's like nobody gives a shit. You're all the same party. Right now, you've got to be a, I'm not any of that to win our vote. Right? If you're sitting on any side, we don't want to hear it. Because we hear a lot of things. I want you guys to use your ears. We're not going to watch this. I want you guys to listen. Okay? Just listen. This is May, May, and November, where is it? May, where, gosh darn it, are you serious? It's like not even here, really. <laughs> um, hold on. So I want you guys to hear what, um, so, okay, Joe Biden has talked about the problems that we've had with our gas, right? So in May, he was like, oh, we have gas shortages because colonial pipeline cyber attacks. Stop. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. We all know what that was, but okay. So he says, you know, that's what happened. It's no big deal. Then the secretary, um, then then he says this. Listen to this. That are affected. Here's what you can do, the drivers. Don't panic, number one. I know seeing lines at the pumps or gas stations with no gas can be extremely stressful. But this is a temporary situation. Do not get more gas than you need in the next few days. As I said, we expect the situation to begin to improve by the weekend and into early next week, and gasoline supply is coming back online, and panic buying will only slow the process. And I also want to say something to the gas stations. Do not, I repeat, do not try to take advantage of consumers during this time. I'm going to work with governors in the affected states to put a stop to price gouging wherever it arises. So that was in May. I mean, it's been a long time since May, right? And then we have, you know, the press secretary laughing that gas prices are high. Did you guys miss that memo? Well, take a watch. Set to hold a cabinet meeting today where inflation will surely be a major topic. And one key issue on the table, rising energy prices. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm will take questions at the White House briefing today after laughing off high gas prices just uh, last week. Watch this. In Sturgis, Michigan, it is $2.89 a gallon. I guess that's better than in California. What is the Granholm plan to increase oil production in America? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that is hilarious. Would that I had the magic wand on this. As you know, of course, uh, oil is a global market. It is controlled by a cartel. That cartel is called OPEC, and they made a decision yesterday that they were not going to increase beyond what they were already planning. 
This comes as the Biden administration is under recent scrutiny as to whether it will shut down the Line 5 pipeline that runs through Michigan. Joining me now, Kansas Senator and Energy and Natural Resources Committee member Roger Marshall. Roger, this is what is happening to our energy sector is by design from the Biden administration. Joe Biden said himself, we're going to transition away from the oil industry. This is what they want. Despite the pain and suffering and the burden on hardworking Americans, they want high energy prices to make alternative fuels more economical and to force people into, say, electric cars that they don't want to drive. You nailed it, Dagan. Uh, the president realizes that they can never bring the cost of running an electric car down to what it is the cost for an internal combustion engine so they're going to raise the price of gasoline so just think about what he's done since he's taken over i said back in february gas would be five dollars a gallon by christmas and we're on our way there and that's because he doesn't want his energy independent i mean stop it's not rocket science the dude did it from the beginning now again i've said this many many times and i've said it in other forums as well in the past we are the news. What? No, we're not. Well, guys, you've made international headlines. I'm going to show you why. Apparently, we're running a guerrilla campaign. What? Biden tormented by Republican guerrilla campaign of <laughs> I, I did it sticker. If you see Joe Biden's picture on a gas pump these days, it's not to tribute his amazingly successful energy policy. These, the stickers with Biden pointing into $3.50 gallon of price say, I did that, are part of a Republican guerrilla campaign to undermine Democratic administration. They've gone viral online and it's cheap. 100 pack of the stickers is just six bucks on Amazon. You might see, oh, Amazon. There we go again. You might might see these divisive, derisive stickers in New Hampshire, the swing state Biden set to visit on Tuesday to promote his $1.2 trillion infrastructure package that just passed Congress. The Democratic president may not get an overwhelmingly positive reception he was hoping for. <laughs> The gas pump stickers are similar tactics to what Democrats did to Republican presidents like Trump. Remember those not my president bumper stickers? So in a way, Republicans are now just returning the favor. Biden opponents have also adopted let's go Brandon chant to taunt the president. It's a PG way of saying something more crude that has the same number of syllables, but it's clever. It's a clever tactic and it drives Democrats crazy. This is what passes for grassroots political strategies these days. The Let's Go Brandon chant and I Did It stickers went viral on social media platforms like TikTok. New Hampshire's a hotbed of politics because of the First Nation primary. Voters have been accustomed to getting up close to presidents and candidates and aren't afraid to confront them in person. That's why Biden's visit contains some risk. Although he'll be protected. Woo, red flag right there. That's why Biden's visit contains some risk, although he'll be protected in this trip to Woodstock, far out of major cities like Nashville and Manchester. So your stickers are pissing them off. That means we need more fucking stickers, more billboards, more flyers, more ads out in newspapers. We need to flood it everywhere. Like, didn't I tell you you're the news? I mean, I did tell you a couple of years ago, because, but you were busy, like, I don't know, trying to figure out what was going on, and it shouldn't be mean. 
people were really trying to figure it out. I have to understand that not everyone, you know, is at the same pace. And out of everyone, I should be on that. Because I remember in boot camp when we were like doing formation, my damn chief had me at the front of the line as an RPOC, right? And uh, before he did that, though, I was all the way in the back. I'm like short. So for every step everyone took, I had to do like two or three. It was like the straggling sailor in the back with the cadence that couldn't freaking keep up with the pace because I, I was so tiny. So um, I, I know that not everybody can be at the same step. And even though we may be at the same cadence, we're not um, at the same step. So I get it. So, you know, I'm not trying to knock, right? But people are waking up and we're at that pace. And now you realize how when I say you're the news, you are the news. And take that to what it is. You are making the change. You're not waiting for anyone to do it. Are you going to wait for tools on TV to do it for you? Or let me guess, the people that are telling, giving you the red digital string or, you know, deciphering shadows on trees. Let's be straight here, okay? Or nine foot aliens, right? Or people that are talking shit because they're, you know, butt hurt, right? You're the ones doing it. You don't need anybody to tell you, you know, how to think. You got this. You just made global news. You've pissed them off. When you're writing letters and they get angry, keep writing letters. You're the sticker brigade. We started this just a couple months ago. Look at it now. Look at it now. We started the billboards before that, right? The airboards. The water boards, come on. Can't you see that you're the news? You guys are in charge of this movement right now. You guys did it. Nobody else did it. You did. And every single thing that you did is training you for the next thing. So now, now is where we get to do patriotic shit. Now is where we get to flood them. When I tell you we break their phones, when I tell you we break their faxes, emails, and letters, there's going to be a letter up on a website called operationjointhesuit.com. And you will get that and you will print it and you will mail it. I'm printing it five times and mailing it five times. Every day, my AG will get one letter from me up, in, up until the day that the suit is filed. My AG is going to have people standing in, his, in front of his office in Columbus holding a sign that says, Hashtag join the suit. We will have billboards right across the street from the AG's office saying, join the suit. If I could, I'd fly to Florida so I can hang out in front of Pam Bondi's office too. I mean, that would be badass. But you can. I'm going to Arizona because it's very important that I be there for this. Joining the suit. They need to join the suit. And it's not because they're Republican or because they're Democrat. It's because if you want to get elected again and you see that there is some small evidence of some malfeasance, it is your duty to investigate it. I mean, it's not 
something that you can say, oh, well, that's just a little bit of crime. I'm not going to look. That's just like 10 people that are dead. I'm not going to look. That's just like one kid that got, that was on the voter roll that got jury duty. I'm not going to look. If there is a potential, right? If a cop has a right to stop you because they see, I don't know, cocaine flying out your window. They're not going to be like, oh, that's just a little bit of cocaine. I'm not going to look. They're going to fucking pull you over. They're going to bring the dogs and they're going to find all your cocaine, right? There it is. So right now we see fraud. Oh, it's just a little bit of fraud. We're not going to look at it. Fuck you. Dereliction of duty. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Ashley Moody is the agent, not Pam Bundy. Sorry. Um, I, I just uh, thought of that because I was I keep thinking of Pam Bondi. Why am I constantly, Pam Bondi's on my mind. You know, it's not like she's my type or anything. Why am I thinking about her? Why is she in the news? Maybe she'll be in the news. Ashley Moody is the AG of Florida. Pam Bondi, Pam Bondi. She's not that hot. She's not hot. She's on my mind though, for some reason. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Why would I be thinking of Pam Bondi? Why is she in my purview? We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. What happened to Pam Bondi? That's pretty weird, right? She's just been MIA, but she's been on my mind all day. I kid you not. I've mentioned her like a few times. Yeah, we should be, we should definitely go down to Mark Bromovich's office, uh, Ken Paxson's office, um, you know, the Missouri AG's office, uh, Yost's office, and Pam Bondi's. And I just kept saying Pam Bondi's. No one questioned it. Say, why the fuck are we going to Pam Bondi? Are we going to her house? So the question is, where's Pam Bondi? Um, when, why is she on Tori's mind? This, um, this software doesn't fail often. So that'll be interesting to find out on that note. You guys are changing the world and the whole world is watching all of you. This is what you did. This is in the Boston Herald. Dang. So that's going to be in international news. He's being tormented. Did you hear that? Biden tormented by Republican guerrilla campaign. I did it sticker. And it's just not on the gas. We're putting it on the fucking food too. Steaks are going up. Pork chops. Chicken breasts. Milk. He did that. When you see a price, you stick it on it. You see it, put it. Remind everyone. He did that fucking shit. He did that. And he's being tormented, just like that AG that was crying. And then the campaign guy that was telling people, stop sending letters. It's his turn to be governor. You got to stop. It's just not fair. <laughs> There's other governors and other AGs that are saying thank you for those letters. Thank you for showing your support to us. Thank you, because it means everything. So today, there was a nomination. We're going to talk about this nomination just a little bit before I go, because I really got to get my, my, uh, my stuff together. I got so much to do. Gosh darn it. But uh, last week, we talked about um, the mayors. Oh, wait, I got to see, I got to show this to you guys because some guy totally gets it. Hold on. Let's see, where is it? I'm going to find it. Because, you know, there was a lot of talk about Red Castle, Green Castle. Do you guys remember that when everyone went nuts over it? Oh, it's talking about, you know, 
the Army Corps engineers, which, by the way, fucked over a lot of people. And that's why the AG came on me, because I was like, why the fuck is the U.S. Army Army Corps engineers taking six and a half years to survey the Mouse River for flood protection? Sounds like someone's scamming money to me. And then, oops, Tori's in trouble. So let me let me show it to you. Hold on. Um, seriously? I'm going to find it. Maybe. Gosh darn it. Because they posted it and I'm like, all right, good. See, the people are finding these things. This is where you can see what, who, what, when, where. It was just a couple of days ago. I'm going to find it. I'm scrolling through everything. I don't know if you guys had seen it. Because um, there's a lot of images in the main chat. So we like to post memes and shit. You know, that's another thing. Someone was like, I would really appreciate if you just post news on your toy site. And I was like, don't you see the, what it says? Tweets and troublesome memes. I'm going to be posting a lot of shit talking too. We can have a sense of humor in a war. That's what makes it fun. Yeah, war is fun. It's just how you look at it. You can either cry about it or be okay with it. That's that's how it goes. You either cry or you laugh. You know, why am I why am I looking there when I can look over here? Hold on. Um images. They made the castle red and then they made the castle green in Edinburgh. Did you guys see that? Because I, I want to see where the pictures are, and I'm not finding it. I'm trying to see if I can see it here. So it was red, a green castle, red castle. And that's they made it red and green. And it was a castle. It wasn't like a castle at the bottom of a paper in a page. It was literally a fucking castle. Okay? A Scotland castle that was red and then green. And I'm trying to freaking find it, and it's just not coming up for me. Oh, there it is. I freaking found it. There we go. Save and save. Okay. All right, let me show it to you guys. Now that it was found. It was in a tweet, too. So that was pretty badass. Let's see. There we go. Okay. Let me open that one. Oops. So here's the first one. Look out for the castle lit up in red this evening as we support at Poppy Scotland this Remembrance Sunday. Red castle. You see the red castle? Super red castle. Let me get the green castle now. If it wants to be my friend. Okay, there it is. Now I'm going to upload the green one. Do you guys see it? So this is this is the one that was done on 11-14. And it was Green Castle, Red Castle. To mark the closing day of COP26, the castle will be lit green this evening. Green Castle, Red Castle, Green Castle, Red Castle. I'm pointing out just Green Castle, Red Castle. Now, so props to the person that saw that. And I'm like, thanks. Computer's never wrong. And now we're going to go to why I brought this up, aside from how's that, Red Stringers. Um, but remember we talked about New Orleans and the mayor, the stupid clown chick mayor. Well, we should talk about Mitch Landrieu, too. He was just nominated to oversee the infrastructure. I kid you not. <laughs> As we're talking about New Orleans, this guy should run. And I know why Biden tapped him because he's going to throw him under the bus. 
faster than anyone. Because, you know, Hunter Biden and his uncle, along with the Chinese and the Kazakis, did a lot of shit down in New Orleans when this bitch was mayor. The White White House House said said Sunday that former mayor of New Orleans, Orleans, Mitch Landrieu, will head up its trillion-dollar infrastructure plan. Andrew led the city from 2010 to 2018, playing a key role in helping it rebound after Hurricane Katrina in 2005. President Joe Biden named him the senior advisor for implementing the bipartisan bill, which he will sign into law on Monday. It's similar to a role Biden held when he was vice president in the Obama administration, overseeing an $800 billion economic stimulus package in 2009. On Friday, he emphasized the importance of transparency. I made it a point every day to stay on top of how exactly the money was spent, what projects were being built, what projects were not being built, and how it was functioning. The new trillion-dollar package includes big spending on a wide range of targets, from roads to airports and broadband internet. Biden vowed to build 500,000 electric vehicle charging stations, as well as to make high-speed internet accessible to all Americans. The bill is expected to create jobs across the country as the money trickles into state hands. A separate proposal worth about $1.75 trillion aims to expand the social safety net in the U.S. as well as boost climate change policies. That, however, has been subject to fierce and ongoing bipartisan debate. The House can pass anything they want, but the Republicans better watch their step. Because it's our duty to remove those that don't do what we want. Now, you know what's really funny? As you see, he talks about green energy a lot, right? Joe Biden and his Green New Deal and shit. Well, if you're talking about electric cars and you're having a meeting, you would assume that you would be inviting, I don't know, Tesla, right? Here's Elon Musk. You know, like Biden held this uh, EV summit. Um, Didn't didn't invite Tesla. EV summit. On the White House, um, didn't mention Tesla once, and praised Jim and Ford for leading the EV revolution. So you were pissed. Does, does, sound, does this sound uh, maybe a little biased uh, or something? Um, so, um, and then, you know, just uh, it's not the friendliest administration. So you're going to have an electronic vehicle conference but you're not going to talk about tesla or invite tesla who created it i know why we all know why come on you guys know why because tesla's messing shit up for him how's he doing that tori We'll talk about that a little bit later. In the meantime, let's talk about how you're being labeled for the FEMA camps that we all knew is coming because I did tell you that everything that you do in a medical facility is recorded. But, you know, now that you're going to see it, you're going to believe it because there's a code now. And this lady was, you know, is a medical code. What do they do? The call. Come on. Shoot medical where they stay home and they do all the billing medical biller there we go here's what she had to say you know, I, was I, was ready to go home. Home. I was I was closing down my computer I need to get out of here I've been here most of the day and then I decide to take one more look at my email 
I can't make this shit up. I'm not telling you which state, and it's not Florida. DOH and DHS are committed to working with our provider partners to combat the continued COVID-19 pandemic and have identified the following Z code for vaccine counseling that does not result in a vaccination. Zulu 28.20 immunization not carried out because of the patient's decision for unspecified reason. This new code will allow us to follow vaccine counseling visits and take more steps to vaccinate. Y'all, we've just been issued a code. For those of you who don't know, an ICD-10 code is your diagnosis code. It flags your insurance. It flags anytime anybody goes looking through codes, CMS, all of those things, Medicare, they type in a code and anybody who gets come, who's been diagnosed that code comes up on a list. So for those of you that were wondering how they were going to find out who they needed to put in those determined camps or, sorry, education camps and counseling camps, I think we just got our, um, so I now identify as vaccinated, if anybody asks. Just saying. Good night. Now you're officially tagged. How does that make you feel knowing? <laughs> how do you know? How, do, how does that make you feel? It makes you feel horrible. It makes you feel terrified of what comes. And I and I don't blame you. It's scary to know that they know who you are and where you are when they want to get you. And that really sucks. It really sucks. Because how do you get out of that? How do you not have someone knocking on your door? That's really scary. But you know what else is scary? How you're going to see January 6th is all about getting Trump. It's not about trying to save, you know, or whatever to stop. It's to get Trump. And this is going to be horrible. This. He'll be the reason that everyone goes down. He will be the reason that everyone goes down along with his friends. You know, today the Sandy Hook thing came out. By default, you lose, right? You lose by default. And now it's all your fault. And now, you know, all this Koch brothers things are coming out. Everyone's talking about that and, you know, coming into focus. And it's like, I'm so tired of this. Aren't you tired of this? I'm tired of the same old people pretty much screwing shit up. We had people screwing shit up all over the place, but this person really screwed shit up. You know, really, really screwed shit up. Totally screwed things up.
They're the stars of the show. We should make them stars of the show. They're the ones that help with the impeachment, right? And then there's people that help to sabotage efforts to find evidence of fraud. They help sabotage because it's all about that paper dollar. The minute they can't make money, they will come out and they will bite. What's the problem? I just thought I'd end it with a little bit of humor because it's kind of sad, kind of sad that our, you know, all these people that people invested trust in have betrayed the people, have betrayed the people. And it's, and it's sad, but it's not going to happen. So we're not going to let it happen. They can do and push and push, but Adam, you better be very careful. We got Ed Buck shit. Like that's already in evidence. So I would be treading very slowly now that you, you know what? The Democrats just realized they got fucked for rating, you know, um, James O'Keefe. I think they just realized that. Just realized it. Obama's going to get impeached. He's going to, it's all leading back to Obama. And remember, they impeached the president that was no longer president. They they did. After President Trump was no longer president, they impeached him. That means now we can impeach Obama. Fair and square. Now, having said that, as we know, Steve Bannon turned himself in today. Um, rather than them raid him and come and drag him out and you know, and it's it's really sad. And I told him, all of us got your back. Every single one. And a lot of you say, you're not on Steve Bannon's show. That's so not fair. He puts up tools. It's okay. That's the way it works. You'll figure it out later. Bannon the cannon in the shape of a boomerang. That's what he is. He's a damn cannon. And he's coming out swinging. And it's going to be super fun to watch. Because I know exactly where they're going. I just showcased... Well, only two of the tools that are really responsible for it. The other one's for the elections, and I'm a little bit upset. All these damn feds. I mean, even in Tucker's video, you know, the one about January 6th, he had Federique right there. <laughs> like, you know, that was taped a long time ago, and they still put Federique in the cut. Federique, who was outed as a fed, right? <laughs> Spying <laughs> and reporting back. Federique, okay? The, the baby daddy guy, right? Let's remember that. This is all production. It's all producing. It's all a movie in a sense. But it's a movie that has consequences. It's kind of like those Freddy Krueger things, like I said, where they would like, don't sleep because you're going to die if you sleep. This is like the nightmare that you're, that you're watching. It's like the movie. But during the movie, you get fucked over. You will get fucked over. And, and the reason is, is because there's so much of it intertwining. That's what everyone says. There's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of this. It's not overlap. They're all working together. You're under one dome, their dome, their rules, their magical pixie dust through music, 
video, sound, and social media. And the documentary that's coming is taking a sledgehammer to that bitch. Because you're about to see things in a different light. Oh, man, I shouldn't even be traveling because I have so much shit to do. But I have to. So, I really do. On that note, I just wanted to say Maryland, super lucky state. They got this dude running for governor. I want to have him on just to have a conversation. I really wish I had a guy running for governor like that. Um, I know I have Blystone, but I don't know how approachable he is. Haven't been able to approach him myself. And um, then uh, they also have John here to help running for office. Like Maryland's got like a beefed up badass candidacy pool. And, you know, in 2022, we'll have paper ballots. So it'll be nice, fair and square. You know, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be voting for all these other people. And I love the fact that the president asked for nominations. I'd be very curious to see um, what nominations have come in, what names have been sent to the president. Um, that should be badass to see. I hope he does make that public at, um, say, 45. I want to see who the people think in their states and in, in their nation uh, should be, you know, coming up for positions. Because that tells you a lot more when it comes from the people, what needs to be done. And, you know, a lot of people can say maybe they sent bots with nominations. They'll be able to see that. They'll know because a nomination doesn't just come, here's my name. It's a damn email or a letter to the president of the United States telling him, yo, I think Joe Schmo is going to be badass. That person needs to be in office somewhere. I really don't give a shit. You know, he's toothless. He's got a freaking hot dog cart or he's unemployed or he makes art. I really don't care. That person fights for me. That person can be my voice. I trust that person can be my voice. I want Joe Schmo. Like, the president actually put that out. That's pretty badass. I'm just saying that tells you he's ready to listen to everything because obviously whatever's coming his way, um, you know, um, hasn't, you know, surfaced. It's, it's like people telling me, Oh, so-and-so is doing this. I was like, I don't know who so-and-so is. If I don't see it, it's not important. Maybe it's important on that circle. So, um, and it's not because it's not my circle. I, you guys know I roll with the Dem and the libtard circles, okay? I'm just saying, the fact that President Trump reached out to the people saying, send me your nominations of who you think needs to be somewhere, that's a big deal, okay? For me, that's a big deal. And I just hope he puts it out there and says, hey, this is it. Now, on that note, all of us are praying for Steve Bannon because he's about to have his own, you know, um, Waterloo battle for all of us. And may he have strength. I mean, they had postal cops arrest him. Like, stop. Like, who does that? Like, for real. <laughs> A lot of you didn't know that the postal workers had cops until that happened, right? So, I mean, he's been through some crap, okay? And, um... I just can't wait to see him with his nicely combed hair and his tenacity and spunk and fire because he's going to bring it. Bannon the cannon that's really a boomerang and you watch it boomerang right in the face. So um, on that note, um, I want to wish you guys a fantastic evening. I will not um, have a show tomorrow. 
uh, but I will have one from wherever I am uh, the day after, even if it's short. Um, I'm excited to see everyone in Arizona. I'm like super stoked. I haven't been, you know, Arizona's where I've trained. I've stayed there many times. Um, actually, a company that I contracted with for, um, oh, whoa, what is it? Nine, nine. When did I lose that contract? 2020, right? So 11 years I contracted. They, they're based out of Phoenix. So um, uh, I'm excited to see you guys. Join the Suit is being launched tonight, the website. Tomorrow we'll have all the details uh, from your guardians, and we're going to blow it up completely. Like it's going to be like you think them saying Joe Biden's being, you know, hammered by stickers is bad. Guys, you got to the president. You think you can't put pressure on your AG in your state? Damn, light them up with all the letters light them up with your presence and you call them to the carpet. You make those phone calls and all you have to say is, I have a message for the AG. My name is Sally May. Join the damn suit. Click. <laughs> God bless everyone. Good night.